Warning. The following contains massive spoilers for the designated series. Listener discretion is advised. You're listening to the Television Archive. The show where we, the television-loving hordes of the internet, take a deep dive into what used to be in our beloved medium. My name is Thomas Michael Clark, and this is Fringe. Today we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 12, titled Concentrate and Ask Again. Uh, Yet another very, very good episode that is kind of closer to a usual run-of-the-mill fringe episode, but I mean, even then, like, there's some pretty massive overarching beats in this thing, particularly from a character perspective. God, this season does not waste any time. God, this season does not pull any punches at freaking all. Uh, so, the hook of this episode... Is and I'm going to read this exactly as I as I wrote it in my notes. Man attacked by doll that took out his bones. <laughs> like this dude, this doctor guy, gets this package in the mail on his birthday. Uh, with a tag that says "From Madison." Uh, there's a doll. Pulls the string on the doll. Doll coughs up a. Biological weapon in his face, and his bones just dissolve, and he dies. And he's just jelly on the floor. And it's really disturbing. (laughs) Not gonna lie. (laughs) Uh, It's a pretty gruesome sight, uh, but it's a really, really interesting jumping off point. Uh, So we're analyzing this thing, and uh, we're tracking the package... That came to him, uh, to a post office, uh, to the guy who brought it there, and we eventually track down the suspect. Man, that was quick! Wow! That, that was, that happened immediately! I guess this is gonna be a very short episode, I'm sure nothing will happen to derail the investigation at all! Cue our suspect getting hit by a car when he tries to run away. And basically having all the brain damage and going into a coma. Suffice it to say, that's not great (laughs) when you have to interrogate somebody. To have your lead suspect have brain damage, irreversible brain damage, and in a coma, not good. Not what you want as an investigator. Gonna take a wild guess <laughs> at that. Uh, but we eventually get a story from his ex-wife. We talked to his ex-wife, and apparently, uh, when this guy was in the Marines, he was part of a weapons project. And he was talking about how he was exposed to something, and... When he got back and they tried to start a family, eh, their child received a defect that the father had in his uh, DNA, 
and the baby died. And apparently this happened to a couple of other people in the program. And this dude apparently became obsessed with revenge, like, figured out it was because of this project and became obsessed with revenge against the people who did it. And it is very, 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 very likely, especially since, like, uh, we found three, like, we found a box of, like, military ordinances. Three of them were missing. So that's one found, quote-unquote found, two to go. So this guy became obsessed with taking out the doctor involved in the project, and there are more targets coming down the pipeline. Now, Walter has an idea of how to interrogate this guy to get some information, uh, because there is some neural activity. It's not a lot, but it's there. And he remembers a Cortexafan subject, a Cortexafan kid, that was developing the ability to read minds, who he then kicked out of the program because he didn't want him to know that he stole his son from another universe. Oh, young Walter. Oh, how delightful and not horrible of a human being he was. Uh, but Walter's able to track this Cortexafan kid down. He lives in this cabin out in the woods. Uh, and not only does he still have his ability, like, it is not dormant at all, but it actively is, like, ruining his life. Like, whenever he reads thoughts, it makes him sick. It gives him, like, these headaches, it gives him, like, this increased anxiety, it makes him nauseous, uh, and it, like, actively hurts him to use his powers and he can't control it. So he just went away from all of society to quiet the voices down, basically. And the only person whose mind he can't read is Olivia. Because she was also a Cortexafan kid, and the Cortexafan subjects are immune to each other's abilities. So Olivia sits down with this guy, and everything that happens with this dude, everything that happens with this dude, Simon, is great. This dude has an amazing arc. This is an incredible, incredible character, uh, an incredible one-off character. Uh, I gotta find the name of the guy who plays him, because he was fantastic. Uh, I am looking this up on IMDb as I talk, but his entire arc throughout this episode is great. Uh, all of his scenes with Olivia are amazing. Omid Abtahi. Apologies if I'm mispronouncing that. Uh, he was great. He was really, really, really fantastic. Uh, but... Olivia convinces him to go back to Boston with her to interrogate this dude and save some lives. By the way, as all this, as we're seeing, like, the most extreme example of someone's life getting ruined by Cortexafan, Peter is taking every opportunity to scold Walter for this, and rightfully so. He has that great line of, like, how many more, Walter? How many more are gonna come crawling out of the woodwork? Like... It's it's so good. This entire plot line is amazing. Uh, but we have this great interrogation sequence with the coma dude. Where they like, clear out the entire hospital. And they have this dude. 
like, just reading his thoughts, Olivia asking questions, uh, he throws up and then is like, get me a pen, and writes down a bunch of random words he saw the images of in his mind, uh, including Project Jellyfish. Jellyfish being one of the few, uh, one of the few in the Animal Kingdom that doesn't have any bones. So... It is then immediately assumed that that is the weapons project. And so we're able to find more information on Project Jellyfish. Uh, From Nina Sharp, actually, who looks into this after it becomes very, very clear that... uh, There were defense contractors being... uh, Involved in this, and they've got, they've gotten killed, they got caught in the elevator, uh, and their bones are gone too, their bones have been rendered no good no more, been rendered broken too, and so that's the second leg of this attack. After it becomes clear that this is like full-blown, okay, we're doing like defense stuff, Nina has more experience with that, she's using her contacts to, she's using her contacts to get some information. She finally gets some information from a CIA agent uh, who briefs Broyles on it. Basically, it was a bioweapon to uh, basically render the enemies boneless and kill them that way. The participants in it were inoculated against it. So, it doesn't affect them at all, but it was passed on to their unborn children. And so on and so forth. We also find out that one of the participants got three acres of government land when he left. And that is a very likely base of operation. So they go there, they check it out a bit. uh, And they find that they've already tested a new release mechanism of a vest. A, A literal bomb vest of bone loss gas. And it's a horrifying thought, quite honestly. It really, really is. Uh, So, we're searching this place. We're searching this building in the middle of this land. Uh, They find a a plans for a building that has the name Marianne on it. Which is something that uh, came up in the Coma Dude's thoughts. They find information on a governor who was head of the project, who approved the project. And we find out that this governor is holding a fundraiser at this building. And it started half an hour ago, and that's where the next attack is taking place. This leads to an amazing final confrontation. Like a Frickin' science fiction Bond movie. Where Olivia goes in with Simon. They basically walk around for a bit undercover and try and just have this dude read a bunch of minds to see if one of them is our suspect. One of them is our, our guy, our attacker, our dude in the bomb vest of bone loss gas. 
Like, and this literally does. I was not exaggerating when I said sci-fi Bond. Like, this plays out like a Bond movie. It really does. Like, there is some super spy action happening here, and it's great. Uh, one guy is killed by Olivia. He's not the dude in the vest. Uh, after going through a bunch of service corridors, they rejoin the actual party. They find the actual guy in the actual vest. Uh, you have the great moment where Olivia has to, like, nail a shot, like, right into, like, back of his head into the spinal cord so he can't detonate the thing. And it's, it's awesome. Everything about this final confrontation is really, 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 really freaking cool. And then we, uh, we say goodbye to Simon, and Simon's like, hey, uh, I know you've been pressuring me. There's a great little character subplot that I forgot to mention of, uh, this dude has a crush on this girl at a coffee shop. He doesn't want to get near her. He doesn't want to actually meet her, because then he'll involuntarily read her thoughts. And he doesn't want to know what she actually thinks about him. And... Olivia's like, well, you should try, you should try, like, you should, like, you shouldn't be afraid of rejection, you shouldn't be afraid of her not being into you, you should at least try, you should live your life, and this dude's like, no, you do not get it, we are not supposed to know what others think, and in this last moment with him, he gives her a message saying, like, hey, uh, I read Peter, have this information if you want it. This is what it's like being me. We'll table that for a second. We'll come back to that in a minute. I want to first talk about a couple of big subplots going on here. First off, so the issues with Bolivia keep coming back. Because of course they do. We're still kind of getting over that trauma. And... Olivia is afraid that Peter had has feelings for Folivia. Still has feelings for Folivia. Like Folivia had for him. And Peter's insisting, no, no, no. She used me. She used my love for you uh, to take advantage of me. Uh, she said all the right things. She manipulated me. Like, I don't have feelings for her. I don't still love her. That is not a thing. But, and this is, like, sort of a thing happening in the back of our character's minds throughout the entire episode. Uh, Peter accidentally gets Olivia's coffee order wrong. And gives her Olivia's coffee order. And that's a huge thing. While all of this is happening, Nina Sharp is continuing her investigation into the First People books. Uh, investigating William Bell's old office, finding a First People book stashed away in his vault, uh, in his safe, continuing to look into all of them, and she starts to notice something. She starts to notice that a lot of the author names look very similar. They claim to be written by different authors, but... They all have the same root. And Nina sort of analyzes this a little bit. 
sort of does a little bit of a puzzle solving. And one name, one common name, comes up. Sam freaking Weiss. And Nina goes over to the bowling alley, talks to Sam Weiss, who, of course, is always dodging, and then... Now, okay, here's the thing. Up until this point, Sam Weiss has just been some rando from the bowling alley who's helped Olivia with some stuff. Turns out he's a lot more than that. Turns out he is knows, like, the secrets of the universe... Somehow his name is attached to every single First People book. And Sam Weiss just leans into it and is like, Hey, I mean, look, you can talk to me all you want. You can grill me about the First People books all you want, but I'm not your problem. Peter Bishop is. And when pressed about the device, he's like, Okay, so the device has the power to create and destroy And Peter is uniquely tuned to operate it. How it responds will depend on Peter's frequency. Which in turn depends on his state of mind. Which in turn depends on which Olivia he chooses. Whichever Olivia... He decides whichever Olivia he chooses over the other, whichever Olivia he loves more, that's the universe that will survive. And Nina, being very confident in herself, is like, well, we don't have to worry. He'll choose our Olivia. And then Samwise says, "Mm, you sure about that? You sure about that? Yeah, absolutely sure. And then, of course, like the ending, it cuts over to Olivia, and the note she got from Simon was, he still has feelings for her. So much to unpack here. I remember when I first watched this episode, and they first gave the reveal that Sam Weiss, the the random guy from the bowling alley, Like, I cannot stress this enough. Up until this point, Sam Weiss has just been some guy at a bowling alley. And now, out of nowhere, he knows the secrets of the universe. The secrets of the multiverse, even. And he's just known everything about everything the entire time. I remember watching this episode, and I remember seeing that mic drop moment, and my jaw was on the ground like, holy shit, they they just did, that just happened. That just happened. And it doesn't feel outlandish. Like, see, here's what I love about Fringe. They do crazy shit. They do crazy shit. All the time, they go to insane places, and it never feels absurd. Even though on paper it is, it never feels that way in practice, because again, they're such 
good at writing this stuff. Sam Weiss was always a mysterious character. Sam Weiss was always this show's Yoda. Sam Weiss was always mysterious and always kind of spoke in half riddles and always kind of was dodging the real problem at hand. Remember, Sam Weiss's way in which he helped Olivia overcome her uh, the aftermath of her car crash was by basically annoying her into getting better. <laughs> like, that was literally his solution. And then, like, afterwards, getting over the death of her partner, uh, getting over the death of Charlie Francis, his solution was to take business cards from everyone wearing red, circle some letters, and then do an anagram. Of whatever the hell she needed to hear. His solution to Olivia not being able to sleep after she found out about Peter being from the other side. Was to go over to her house and play Clue. Like he's always been a weirdo. He's always been a mystery. He's always been a question mark. It's just turns out that question mark was much bigger than we thought it was. So when the other shoe drops in this episode and we find out, no, Sam Weiss isn't just some dude at a bowling alley who happened to help Nina Sharp that one time, who happened to help Olivia that one time. He knows the secrets of the goddamn universe. Like, it makes sense because that character was always so weird and was always so mysterious and was always such a question mark. He's the Yoda of Fringe. He is the Yoda of Fringe in every possible way. And I love (laughs) that they just, they took that character from the weirdo who runs that bowling alley to guy with the secrets of all life. (laughs) Guy with the existential secrets of saving our world. Like, it's, it's insane and I love it. It's insane and I absolutely love that twist. God, this show's so good. (laughs) I love it so much. Anyway, solid episode all around. Uh, If you like this, favorite the podcast, anchor.fm slash TV archives, so that you can be here every single Monday through Friday as I go through every single episode of this and other shows. And you can find it on pretty much whatever podcast or app you prefer. Feel free to call in as well. It's simple as just to push a button on the Anchor app. I'll play those on the show from time to time if you feel so inclined to send those in. Follow me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd, TomTom4468, and support the show, patreon.com slash thomasclark, pledge just a dollar a month. I appreciate everything I get through there. If you become a patron, you can also get access to the Television Archive Supplemental, which I'll be putting up there once every month. Or, if that doesn't work for you, you can also support the show directly via Anchor. I appreciate that as well. Uh, On Monday, we will be discussing Season 3, Episode 13. Talk to you then.